Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to my UFC 273 main card preview and predictions. Uh, look, I'm going to sum it up pretty quickly. Going out for a few drinks tonight and then going to go out for a few drinks tomorrow for the card. So uh, I've been trying to get this one out. I tried to get it out a bit earlier, but uh, a lot of music today in the household. Uh, not mine, unfortunately. Not that that matters. Uh, mine's not that great, but... Uh, I'm just going to get it out. So if there are any distractions, if there are any noises, don't worry about it, okay? Because I'm keen to go out. So we're going to push through this. UFC 273 main, obviously got the two huge title fights, as well as Kamzat Chemaev and Gilbert Burns. Now, remember, if you enjoy the podcast, to follow us on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report, and also follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see whenever new UFC content drops. Now, normally on a Sunday, myself and JJ will sit down and give our thoughts and comments throughout the UFC events, uh, drop a podcast on the Sunday or sometimes Monday, but tomorrow we're going to the pub, so going to be a little bit different. I will post some things on the Instagram story, so at not just the sports report on Instagram, I guess that'll be the thoughts and comments for this weekend, but yeah, just thought this card just seemed to fit for a big day at the pub, very keen for that. Now, let's get into our opening fight. We've got five fights on the main card. And the first one, setting the tone, we have got two lightweights in Vince Pichel and Mark Madsen. Now, two of these fighters, uh, they're both placed right outside the division's top 15. So this is such an essential win for them to collect. That way they can stake their claim to have a ranked opponent next. And in the lightweight division, look, it is a real changing picture. There are some guys in the top 10 like McGregor been talking about maybe he fights at welterweight next. Dan Hooker, who just lost at featherweight. Uh, Tony Ferguson, we don't know how much longer he's got. Dustin Poirier, does he move up to welterweight? So there are a lot of changes incoming in one of the biggest divisions in the world. So this makes a really, well, makes it a really big opportunity for both of these guys. So critical fight and a win will mean a big step up for either Vince Pichel or Mark Madsen. Now Pichel is an underrated and very fierce competitor whilst Madsen is an undefeated Olympian winning a silver medal at the 2016 Summer Olympic Games in Rio, Brazil. Now Mark Madsen's last appearance was up against Clay Guida. He ended up getting the win but look Clay Guida there were a lot of the time a lot of times I had Madsen to win by decision, but I was really nervous. Clay Guida was throwing a lot more. He was uh, just a lot more exciting. And Mark Madsen, kind of boring. I can't really think of a better word to describe it. It was quite boring on his end, but Clay Guida, as we know, he was doing his best to make it exciting. But Madsen did get the win. That pushes him to 11-0 in his professional career. And look, a very debatable decision, so I think Madsen needs to show a hell of a lot more at UFC 273 this weekend. I think it's going to be a grappling-centric fight, especially from Madsen. He didn't appear to have a heap of, uh, sorry, burping through the podcast. I've started drinking 
already, but he didn't seem to have a heap of like striking variety up against Clay Guida. And I think Vince Pichel is someone who can definitely exploit that. So need to see a big lift from Madsen. But as I said, I do think it's going to be a grappling centric bout, which does kind of lean me toward picking the underdog in Mark Madsen. As for Vince Pichel, his last win was up against Austin Hubbard, that making it four straight for Pichel, and he will be looking for his fifth this weekend. Pichel's overall UFC record, a pretty impressive one, standing at seven wins and two losses, with his only losses being to Gregor Gillespie and Rustam Kabulov. Now, for Madsen, he is 11-0, so 11 straight wins. Both of these guys are in fine form, and that makes this a very exciting opener to our main card. Nearly forgot what I was talking about. Drinks have started, as I said. Overall, Pichel's overall record, I said overall a couple of times there, didn't I? Pichel's record stands at 14-2 and two overall, with the 39-year-old representing Factory X this weekend. Pichel is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so he is going to be more than equipped to deal with the elite wrestling of Mark Madsen. Looking at the two losses on Pichel's uh, record, obviously I mentioned who he lost to before. One of those was a knockout loss, one was a submission. Jumping on to Vince's Winslow, and 8 of eight of 14 have been by knockout. So Pichel definitely loves to get that stoppage. And no doubt, look, he has a striking advantage over Madsen. And no one's beaten Madsen yet, but I think there's every chance that Pichel could actually knock him out. Now, overall, Pichel has a record with his wins, the drinks are affecting my English, of eight knockouts and six decision wins. Moving on to Mark Madsen's profile, nicknamed the Olympian. He is 37 years old from Denmark and representing Fight Ready Gym, which he is not the only one on this card representing Fight Ready. I believe the Korean Zombie, that is where he is preparing for this main event as well. Overall, Mark Madsen has a UFC record of 3-0, and and overall, and as I, as I love to say, his professional record, 11-0. and Five of 11 wins by decision, with three knockouts and three submissions as well for Madsen. As far as my prediction for this main card opener in the lightweight division, I'm actually going to go the underdog, but not with a great deal of confidence after what I saw from him last time. But, yep, main card opener, I am going to be taking the Olympian Mark Madsen over Vince Pichel by decision. This is the one I'm probably least confident about, uh, along with a couple of the ones on the prelims in the podcast that I did. But this one I am very unsure about, so proceed with caution. But I am going to take Mark Madsen over Vince Pichel by decision. So that leaves us with four fights left on the card. Uh, might have a couple drinks as I get through this. Getting very excited to go out tonight. So let's get into our next one. Sh- women's strawweight action between Mackenzie Dern and Tisha Torres. Dern ranked number five in the division with Torres number seven. So a spot in the top five is on the line. And both of these women still have plenty of time to make a push toward a title shot. At the moment, Rose number Eunice, the champion. Now, Mackenzie Dern was on a four-fight win streak before that was ended by Marina Rodriguez last year. Let me just mention that Marina Rodriguez is my favorite fighter in the women's strawweight division. I am a huge fan. Uh, and she gave, I don't know, some kind of laugh. Uh, not laugh, maybe laugh. Uh, like smile, happy. 
emoji or something, a reaction when I uh, tagged her in something. So I guess you could say she's a friend of the show as well, right? Now, Marina Rodriguez got it done over Mackenzie Dern, but Mackenzie at that point, she was on a trajectory where it looked like eventually she was going to get that title shot. She was very much in the title picture. That loss kind of set her back, but let's not forget that Dern is a very qualified jiu-jitsu world champion. So it's going to be great. I'm a huge fan of both women in this fight. So either way, I'm going to be happy to see one of them win. But as far as picking the winner, I had I have kind of ways that I think I'm going to go with it. But there's still a lot to think about before making my official prediction. Now, Tisha Torres had 10 wins from her first 11 pro fights. But then she went on a four-fight losing run after that. It took her a little bit to bounce back. Now... The four fights, let me just quickly jump into that as well before I burp again. Sorry, no more burps. Uh, so the four losses in that like losing streak for Torres, Marina Rodriguez, who in my opinion is a future champion, and three former champs, Jessica Andrade, Joanna Yelzhechek, and Zhang Weili. All of those were unanimous decision losses, and I think that tells you just how quality of a fighter Tisha the Tiny Tornado Torres really is. Since those losses, Torres has rebounded, notching three straight wins over Angela Hill, Sam Hughes, and Brianna Van Buren. Both of these women have a chance to make a run for the belt, so this is going to be a very intriguing one, and the winner is going to move themselves right up in the pecking order. Women's strawweight, there are plenty of opportunities. It's not as stacked as some of the other divisions, but the top five and even top ten have some really really elite name so it is a very exciting division and for one of these ladies they are going to get another foot up another step closer toward that title shot that they so badly crave taking a look at the profiles starting with Mackenzie Dern the 29 year old is an American slash Brazilian uh, representing both nations she is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt a world champion of her craft and probably I don't know, there are some really elite females in the UFC, but look, she is right up there if you want to talk about the best when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. She's trained by Jason Perillo at Checkmat RVCA, and she has an extensive Jiu-Jitsu resume that no doubt she's going to be leaning on to get the result in this fight. She'll also have a significant advantage in height and reach to work with, so Mackenzie Dern is the favorite going into this, but... It's going to be a very close fight. It really is. I know that Torres a little bit smaller, which does make it tough for her against someone the caliber of Mackenzie Dern. But we don't know as well. Has Mackenzie's confidence been knocked a bit by her loss to Rodriguez? Or has the hunger intensified? Meanwhile, Torres, she's on a winning run. So she is coming into this full steam, feeling really good about her chances. Mackenzie Dern has an overall... Oh, fuck, I've been smashing that one, haven't I? Mackenzie Dern's MMA pro record 11-2, and two, two of her losses by decision, Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Rebus, so yet to be finished across her professional career, Mackenzie Dern. Seven of her 11 wins have come by way of submission with four decisions as well. So that just tells you she can not only get it done over the 15-minute distance, but she is highly capable of tapping you out throughout the fight. As for Tisha Torres... The 32-year-old is nicknamed the Tiny Tornado. Jim, her gym, Jimp, whatever I'm trying to say, is American top team. I think we all know that, Jimp. And she is a karate black belt. Torres pro record standing at 13-5, and five, so a little bit less impressive than that of Mackenzie Dern's. 
all five losses of Tisha Torres coming by decision. So again, she hasn't been stopped at all in her professional career. Neither of these women have. So I think this one's going to decision, but it will be extremely impressive if there is a stoppage in this one. She's yet to be finished across 18 fights, Tisha Torres, with 11 of her 13 wins being by decision with one knockout and one submission as well. But that's the key stat. I am ultimately sure this is going to decision. 11 of 13 wins by decision for Tisha Torres and all her losses coming by decision. Same with Mackenzie Dern. Just seems like it's going to go that way. Uh, But if there is a stoppage, then I would say Mackenzie Dern by submission. 16 of 18 fights for Tisha Torres have gone to decision. So again, there's another stat that just leads me to think this is going to decision. So let's get my prediction out there for this woman's strawweight fight that does have very big ranking implications. I'm going to be taking Mackenzie Dern over Tisha Torres. And as you can probably tell, I'm going to be taking Mackenzie Dern by decision. So that leaves now our three huge main events. Let's get started with the welterweight one, Gilbert Burns up against Kamzat Chimaev. On side, we have the number two ranked Gilbert Burns, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and a jiu-jitsu gold medalist. He is still in the title picture, although he did have that knockout loss to Kamaru Usman. I believe that was last year. He's only a little bit removed from that loss, but he did bounce back around July last year with a unanimous decision win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That leaves Gilbert Burns in the number two spot, as I said, right in the title picture, but in comes the phenom, the new challenger, looks like the goods, looks like absolutely the real deal, and I am prepared to say that the hype is very real. Comes out Chemayev, the most dangerous prospect potentially in the history of the UFC, a six-time gold medalist in wrestling, winning his debut in the UFC, and then returning just 10 days later. It is almost the perception of this guy is that he's not human. He is. He just trains incredibly hard. He is so dedicated and he works so hard to put himself in the position that he finds himself. But it's crazy. This guy just seems like he isn't human. Obviously, as I said, won his UFC debut, came back 10 days later and won got those two first fights, and then he came out at middleweight and obliterated Gerald Mershart. It was just crazy. Then all of a sudden, he started to gather some real genuine steam. And a bit earlier this year, he made very easy work of, at the time, the number 11 ranked welterweight in Li Jingliang. So comes out genuinely is the real deal. It has been fucking crazy. He has absorbed one strike in four fights. He trains with the likes of Alex Gustafsson, Darren Till, and this guy just seems like he is the total package. He's been training in Thailand, working on his conditioning, doing some work in Las Vegas as well, and of course, his home gym in Sweden, All-Stars Training Center. A 10-0 start for Chemayev's career, but let's not forget that it was also a 10-0 start for Gilbert Burns to get his career going. He knows how Kamzat's feeling, unstoppable, like the man, like the next big thing. What happened to Gilbert was he came up against a more experienced opponent and he ended up losing. So Gilbert is drawing on that. He has been in that position where he knows what it's like. He knows exactly what it's like to be 10-0. Maybe not to have the hype, the level of Kamzat Chemayev, but 
undoubtedly he knows this guy is beatable. And as I said before, there is kind of this perception that Chemayev just isn't human, but Gilbert Burns knows very well that he is human and that he is going to be hurt just the same as anyone else, but it is, it's much easier said than done at this point. This could be the most hyped fight on a stacked card featuring two title fights as well, but this is the one that a lot of people are talking about. Everyone's been talking about Kamzat Chemayev ever since he stepped foot in the UFC, and with each appearance, the hype just gets bigger and bigger. It is a huge step up in competition for the phenom in Chemayev, but he does have a massive advantage in the height and reach. Over four fights in the UFC, Kamzat Chemayev's record with the strikes, 101, uh, 112 to 1. So he's been hit once, and he has landed 112 strikes. So this guy just seems, as I said, not human, like a special talent that we have not seen the likes of before. And I heard Dana White say that if Kamzat wins this, next up, Colby Covington. And that would presumably be to determine a number one contender for the belt. I believe Leon Edwards is getting the next title shot. So look, if Gilbert Burns wins this, then no doubt he should be fighting Colby. So I think winner of this faces Covington in a number one contenders fight. We've got Burns ranked in second, but Chemayev 11th. And with a win, no doubt he would enter the top five, potentially the top three, because he looks like a scary prospect. Looking at his profile, Kamzat is nicknamed Bors, Russian-born with a Swedish nationality. The 27-year-old style is that he is a wrestler, extremely dominant, very powerful. Guys just have not been able to work out a way to combat his confidence and his strength and just the way he goes about tearing his opponents apart. Kamzat is from the All-Stars Training Center in Sweden and his accolades include four-times performance of the night across four fights in the UFC, so every time he's appeared so far, he has earned a bonus check. He has the record for fastest back-to-back wins in modern UFC history with 10 days, and he has the fastest three-fight win streak in UFC history with 66 days. So we really haven't seen someone the likes of Kamzat Chemayev before, but standing across the cage from him is going to be one of my favorite welterweights, Gilbert Durinho Burns, the 35-year-old from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, now residing in Lantana, Florida. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, extremely capable when it comes to that department, but I do wonder how he's going to go up against Kamza Chimaev, who just towers over him, looks a hell of a lot bigger, looks like he could fight at light heavyweight, whereas Gilbert Burns is more of a lightweight. So... Oh man, it it could be a really rough night for Gilbert Burns, but he does have a lot of experience and skill to draw on. But the the size is a big one. I usually mention sometimes the size plays a massive factor. Sometimes I don't really think it will in certain fights, but this is a fight where no doubt I think size is absolutely going to come into play. Gilbert Burns from Sanford MMA, and he also has four times performance of the night bonuses. Back to Kamzat Chemayev, he is monstrous compared to Burns, as I was saying, has over 10 centimeters of advantage in height and a 10 centimeter reach discrepancy. So he, I think, is just going to cause Gilbert Burns far too many issues 
all in all areas. He's going to be too strong in the wrestling. I think he's going to be too strong with the striking. And as I said, I'm a huge fan of Gilbert Burns. This was the fight that I wanted to see. Gilbert Burns was the guy that I felt like, okay, if anyone is going to give Kamza Chimaev a proper run for their money, it is going to be Gilbert Burns. So this is somewhat of a dream fight for me. I am really keen to see it go down. But whilst Burns has the experience advantage, I think Chimaev has the advantages in pretty much every other area. As I said earlier, Chimaev's pro record, 10-0, 10 finishes, 7 first round finishes. He's never even seen the third round. Chimaev has 6 knockouts and 4 submissions. Very, very impressive resume. And if he can defeat Gilbert Burns, then people are going to blow up. People are really, really going to start blowing up. Gilbert Burns has a professional record of 20 wins, 4 losses, with wins in 7 of his late uh, uh, last 8 appearances. The only loss, of course, being to Kamaru Usman for the welterweight championship. A quick look at the 4 losses in Gilbert Burns' career. 2 knockouts and 2 decisions. He's yet to be submitted. And across Gilbert's 20 wins, he has 6 knockout wins, 8 submissions, and 6 decisions. So very versatile. Both of these guys are going to be very well equipped wherever the fight does take them. But for my prediction, I'm going to take Kamzat Chemaev by knockout. This dude is the real deal. I don't think I can go against him no matter how big a fan I am of Gilbert Burns. But I hope we see a closely contested contest. Overall, as I said, in this instance, size does matter. So I think Kamzat is just going to be far too big for Gilbert. And he's going to get out-muscled. Gilbert is, so... I think Kamzat Chemaev is going to work his way to a very fat, powerful finish. And I am taking Kamzat Chemaev over Gilbert Burns by knockout. I'm taking Kamzat to get an emphatic finish. And knockout, just when I've been thinking about this one, this one's been less hard to pick. I think he could do it by submission, but ultimately he's definitely going to get the stoppage. So taking Chemaev by knockout, let's now move on to our two title fight main events. Starting with our co-headliner, Aljamain Sterling, the champion, up against the interim champion, Pyotr Jan. It is Pyotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling 2. They are running it back in a serious grudge match for the bantamweight championship. Obviously, first point of reference is that illegal knee from Pyotr Jan. That has kick-started what has been a great rivalry. It is going to come to a culmination this weekend, although I can definitely see them fighting again. It was a fast start for Aljamain in that fight, but Jan ultimately was a level above up until that illegal knee. That, look, that was Jan's fault. He did the illegal knee. In my opinion, Sterling was had every right to stay down. He got kneed in the fucking head. Watching it live, there was a lot of confusion, especially over the result and the fact that the title changed hands. Uh, it was a really peculiar moment to sit down and watch. And there was a lot of controversy, plenty of fan backlash towards Sterling for celebrating his title win. I think a lot of that is unwarranted, and it's time to put some respect on Aljamain Sterling's name. For Pyotr Jan, the Russian feels as though it should have been ruled as a no contest. He still has a lot of animosity built up, and he is ready to unleash this weekend. He believes that at the end of this fight, Aljamain Sterling is going to be going to sleep. October 2021 was when these guys were supposed to run it back. Obviously, Sterling had neck injuries and just he he couldn't quite get to this level that it would take to fight in such a high caliber championship fight. So we saw Corey Sandhagen 
step in. Now, he was coming off a loss against TJ Dillashaw, which, in my opinion, having a pro record of 0-0, I actually thought Sandhagen won that fight, and I thought it was fair because TJ Dillashaw was injured uh, by something that Sandhagen did. So that was the logical step. So Sandhagen stepped up. Piotr Jan got the win by unanimous decision. I believe it was unanimous decision. Uh, and he won the interim belt. So now it is going to be Piotr Jan up against Aljamain Sterling. They are finally running it back after what feels like an eternity. There is all kinds of beef and hatred between the two of these guys. Jan believes that Sterling is terrified of him. And Sterling has insinuated that Jan is doping at times. So it's been a very personal rivalry. There is the situation where Pure Jan may not have a corner. We could see Sugar Sean O'Malley in his corner. This could be an absolutely wild weekend in the UFC. Now, Pure Jan has been training at Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket, Thailand. He's trained previously with the likes of Alex Volkanovsky, Valentina Shevchenko. And at the moment, he's gone back to Thailand after some time of not being able to get over there because of the pandemic, well, he's getting back in there, doing work at an establishment which he believes is one of the best in the world, and he's working to upskill himself in his wrestling this camp. He also could definitely be the best boxer in the UFC, so if he pieces it all together with the grappling, then we could have an unbeatable bantamweight on our hands. As for Aljamain Sterling, he is healthy, his neck seems fine, and he is looking lean, shredded, and ready to go. He's been training closely, as always, with Murab Davshvili, and he's working at the best gym of 2021, Extreme Couture, who have the likes of Francis Ngannou on the books. Now, looking at some of the narratives, Sterling has had six straight wins, if you include the disqualification win, which it counts, a win is a win. And he also had a round one submission win over Corey Sandhagen in that time. So that was probably the most impressive, biggest standout victory. As for Puerto Jan, he was 7-0 inside of the UFC pre-disqualification with a knockout win over Jose Aldo to become the champion, holding the belt all the way till that disqualification loss to Sterling before regaining the belt, I guess, in an interim fashion with that decision win over Corey Sandhagen in Abu Dhabi. Looking at the profiles, Pyotr Jan, nicknamed No Mercy, a very fitting nickname. The Russian training at Tiger Muay Thai, as I mentioned, 29 years old. As for the funk master, Aljamain Sterling, the current and defending, very controversially though, uh, UFC bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling, 32 years old, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt from New York, and as I said, training at Extreme Couture. Looking at some of the advantages, Jan definitely has the striking advantage, but there is a sizable reach advantage for Aljamain, as well as a grappling advantage. Aljamain Sterling's record stands at 20-3 and three overall, with two decision losses and one knockout, with the only time he's been stopped being a knockout loss to Marlon Marias. As for Sterling's wins, the Funkmaster has nine decision victories, eight submissions, two knockouts, and one very famous, very famous disqualification win against this same man, Pyotr Jan. Speaking of Pyotr, he has an overall record of 16-2, and two, that one disqualification loss, and one split decision loss earlier in his career in Russia, around 2016. 
Looking at Piotr Jan's wins, 16 of them, 7 by knockout, 1 submission and 8 decisions. So 50% of his wins coming by way of the judges' scorecards. As for the way I'm going to go in this bantamweight championship fight, champion versus champion, it is time to crown an undisputed champ. I am going to be taking Piotr Jan and I'm going to be going decision. As I said, 50% of his career wins coming by decision, and I expect Aljamain Sterling to present the best version of himself. As I said, do not sleep on this guy. Put some respect on his name. I think after this fight, there will be a lot more respect for Aljamain Sterling, but ultimately, I think Pyodian is the best in the division. This could set up in the future a great fight, maybe Merab Davishvili up against Pyodian. There is some beef there as well. But look, for this fight, the co-main event, I am taking Piotr Jan over Eljermaine Sterling by decision. I'm also going to go a bonus prediction that this will be the fight of the night. So you heard it here first. I'm calling for this one to be the fight of the night. And if you want to play it safe for a double chance bet, I would be going Piotr Jan by knockout or decision. But ultimately, my prediction for the co-main event, I am taking Piotr Jan by decision and new undisputed bantamweight champion my apologies excuse me now it is time to get on to the main event i'm very close to being able to go out although i do enjoy the podcast so this is a lot of fun don't get me wrong uh sometimes i just have to stay up a bit later and go to things a bit later but the pub tomorrow this now let's get into it our main event the featherweight championship excuse me too many drinks Alexander the Great Volkanovsky up against the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. No Max Holloway in this one, so we are seeing the fourth-ranked Korean zombie step up to the plate in one of the underrated main events of this year. Let's start with the champion, Alex Volkanovsky, on a 20-fight win streak, including victories over Jose Aldo, two wins over Max Holloway, and a win over Chad Mendes. Plenty of other wins in that streak as well. Last time out, he had a fight of the year candidate up against Brian Ortega. I think either that fight or uh, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. Those were my two fights of the year. There were two times, a couple of times, where Ortega just had the tightest hold of Volkanovski's neck. Anyone else would have tapped. It was just incredible. But Alex Volkanovski is built different, in my opinion, a win here, and he really starts to establish himself as the featherweight goat. Now, his prep has involved a lot of uncomfortable situations. He is ready wherever this fight takes him. He has brutal training camps. He is more concerned about rocking up to training than rocking up to a fight, because when he comes to the fight, he is just so well prepared. He is one of only four people in UFC history to have double-digit win streaks, with the likes of Kamaru Usman, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and Royce Gracie being the names in that he is held in high esteem alongside. As for the Korean Zombie, he will be replacing Max Holloway, coming off a unanimous decision win over Dan Ige. And for Korean Zombie, this is his second short-notice title shot. He actually replaced Anthony Pettis at UFC 163 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in around 2013. Now, that was a round four TKO loss to the hometown hero, Jose Aldo. And just like that fight, in this one, the Korean Zombie is a massive underdog. He is Korea's greatest UFC export, a highly exciting fighter, and he is main event material. So, 
This fight is going to be an absolute banger. This is the perfect main event to cap off what is an unbelievably stacked card. Let's not forget as well that the Korean zombie served a mandatory military service. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad I didn't have to do that. Yeah, respect. I have some of my, one of my best friends is in the army. So yeah, respect, but not my thing. So mandatory service for the Korean zombie. But he has had four wins from six appearances since returning. His wins including first round finishes over Frankie Edgar, Renato Moicano. He knocked out Dennis Bermudez. I believe it was a knockout finish. He definitely got an emphatic finish. And of course, his last outing, the win against Dan Ige. As for the Korean Zombies' losses, he lost to Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. So this is going to be a David vs. Goliath matchup but the Korean Zombie is more dangerous than the odds suggest. Checking out the profiles, the challenger first, Korean Zombie Chan Sung Jung, working with Henry has ran a little bit. Whoops, Henry Cejudo, when the drinks take over. Uh, Henry Cejudo at fight ready, and look, a lot of great names are working there at the moment. John Jones, Yuri Prohaska, Zhang Wei Li, Davison Figueredo, and now the Korean Zombie is amongst that mix. Sahudu working with him to kind of iron out the deficiencies in his game. And the 34-year-old or 35-year-old Korean zombie doesn't have a whole heap of time to make a run, but he has been such an exciting fighter, more than deserving of this title opportunity. He will be representing his hometown of Seoul, South Korea, and his accolades include two-time submission of the night winner, one-times KO of the night, two fight of the nights, and three times performance of the night bonus winner. Chan Sung Jung also has the first Twister submission win in UFC history, which was just crazy going back and watching that tape. Uh, just phenomenal. As for Volkanovski, he is nicknamed the Great for a reason, 33-year-old from Wollongong, New South Wales, Australia. His gym is City Kickboxing, also spent some time at Tiger Muay Thai, and Volkanovski is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. The champion will be giving up a slight height and reach advantage, but I don't think that will bother him a lot. He does have a heap of power, so I'm burping now. One last burp for the podcast, my apologies. Next time I won't be drinking. Uh, now, Volkanovski, yeah, giving up the reach advantage, but... I think he has a lot of advantages of his own, and he is just this unbreakable champion. A pro record standing at 23 wins, one loss. That one loss being at welterweight, well before his UFC days, a TKO loss. What's that, like two divisions up, three divisions up? Uh, two divisions up, so 11 of 23 wins as well for Volkanovski by way of knockout. Just very, very powerful. Also has three submissions and nine decision wins, including that phenomenal decision victory over Brian Ortega last year. As for the Korean Zombie, 17 and 6. His wins including 8 submissions, 6 knockouts and 3 decisions. So that is 14 finishes from 17 wins for the Korean Zombie. And if he is to win the title, I don't think it's going to be by decision. So it will be an absolutely crazy moment. I obviously live in Australia. I am Australian as well as a Kiwi have Polish heritage, but I will be cheering on the Aussie. But gee whiz, it will be a very special moment if the Korean zombie can get a stoppage in this one. Having a look at zombies' losses, six of them, three by knockout and three decision. But look, it is time to wrap this up. It has been a pretty short and sharp podcast today. 
The card is very close to beginning, so I am keen to get down to the pub tomorrow and watch it. My prediction in the main event, I am taking Alexander Volkanovsky to retain his featherweight championship over the Korean Zombie, and I'm going to be taking Volk by knockout. I feel like he's going to be chasing the finish here, and whilst he has shown that he likes to go to decision in some bouts, I think he is going to be just going very hard for the finish here. Zombie has never been submitted, but he has been knocked out three times. I think that's the route that the champion is going to take. So in the main event of UFC 273, Jacksonville, Florida for the featherweight championship, I'm going to be taking Alexander the Great Volkanovsky over the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung by knockout. So Volk by knockout. In the other two co-main events, I've got Pyotian by decision, Kamzat Chemayev by knockout, this is going to be one of the great cards of the year, and it's going to really warm us in to what is going to be a year full of stacked cards. We've already seen some outstanding events like UFC London. So look, I'm going to keep it short and sweep. Sweep? Yep. As I wrap this up, Volkanovski by knockout in the main event. We've got some fireworks because the Formula One is in town, or maybe they're celebrating the end of the podcast. And look, tomorrow, UFC 273 pub edition i'll be on instagram posting on the story showing some of the action and what's going down at the local pub so ufc 273 tomorrow instagram at not just a sports report and to finish up i'm going to quote niche new zealand show bro town and the dad from bro town i am going to the pub i may be sometime so look enjoy the card tomorrow that is it from me i am going to the pub I may be some time, so have a fantastic weekend.